0: In this podcast, Sanofi will talk about experimental vaccines and a few existing medicines proved for other indications. Sanofi wants to be very clear that the use of any of its medicines in COVID-19 is off-label, entirely experimental at this stage, therefore unproven. Sanofi wants to caution they are not endorsing the use of these medicines. Their intent is to explain to the society's listeners the current status of these studies. My name is uh, Gino Martini. I am the Chief Scientist for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. I'm delighted to, to introduce uh, Dr. Hubert Bland, the UK Medical Director for, for Sanofi. Hubert has kindly come in today by Skype to talk about COVID-19 and, and Sanofi's response to the pandemic. Dear Hubert, uh, good morning and, and how are you?
1: Good morning, thank you. Yes, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm isolated in, in rural Hampshire, so uh, so far so good.
0: So, Hubert, before we go into the, into the interview, could you tell um, our, our members a bit, a bit more about yourself, who you are?
1: Yes, uh, no problem. So, uh, I'm Hubert Bland, as I said. I'm a, a trained in anaesthetics and intensive care, and I've been in the pharma industry for the last 25 years. You can hear by my accent, I'm originally South African. Um, I have been working for Sanofi for the last four years. Uh, in the role as country medical lead or country medical chair. So I, I represent uh, the medical function within Sanofi, both internally and externally. Thank
0: you. So, Hubert, I mean, Sanofi uh, obviously is well known to me because I'm an industrial pharmacist. But can you just give a bit of a background to Sanofi for our members? Because it, I think it's I believe it's a French company or listed in on, on the French uh, stock exchange. Um, so Sanofi,
1: as you rightly say, is a French company. Yeah, it was started uh, really in earnest as a pharmaceutical company in the, in the mid-50s and over the years has uh, acquired a number of uh, other smaller companies and built itself into uh, the company that it is today. Um, many people will be aware of Aventis uh, back in the past and, and other organizations that have merged to become Sanofi. Uh, uh, because of these, this long history of, of mergers, we have a really, really broad portfolio, um, and many drugs that people who have worked with in the past, but they won't perhaps associate with, um, uh, Sanofi, are in fact ones that we've we've developed over the years. Uh, notably, things like um, Lantus, for example, uh, uh, an insulin, um, sodium valparate, and, and others over the years are ones that we've um, we we developed. Uh, and are brought to the market. It's In the UK, we are um, about 800 people at the moment. Uh, globally, 100,000 people. Uh, in terms of size of the organization, globally, we're in the top 10 space uh, in the UK, in the top two or three farmer organizations um, uh, in in the UK and also in the world.
0: And I believe that uh, your CEO is, is a Brit, Paul Hudson. Is that correct? Yes,
1: yeah, we're very lucky to have Paul Hudson, uh, as our CEO, he's a uh, he's from Manchester originally, um, and and joined us most recently from from Novartis, and, and, and before that, AstraZeneca.
0: So, so obviously, COVID nineteen as uh, is a pandemic. What's been Snowflake's response uh, to to COVID nineteen? I know a lot of companies have have mobilized all kinds of resources?
1: You know, the, um, we really break down our approach to the uh, the pandemic in, in four key areas. And the first one is collaboration. Collaboration uh, that is going to be taking place uh, within the pharmaceutical industry, uh, but most importantly with, with academics, with healthcare professionals and, and government and other institutions uh, to help fight uh, the pandemic. And, and the notable collaborations that you should be aware of are Of course, we're working with with BARDA um, in the U.S., World Health Organization, of course, across the world, and other academic institutions uh, here in the U.K. We're working very, very closely with um, the regulatory agencies, uh, Public Health England, and are really doing our very, very best and working night and day to collaborate as much as possible. I think that's one thing that is unique about this pandemic is how much collaboration we're seeing across the industry and between all organisations, with the single purpose of doing our best to to resolve the crisis as swiftly as possible. The second area that we're really working on is is prevention. All of us are fully aware of, of the guidance that's been given to us, and as an organisation in we were uh, right at the forefront of making sure that people were behaving, our employees were behaving in a way that minimised any spread. So we were. As soon as we were, um, received clear instruction from the government, we moved, uh, and Paul Hudson made it very clear that Sanofi would be moving to, you know, isolating ourselves, working from home, uh, and observing the, the guidance that we should. But perhaps more importantly, and, and more interesting to um, uh, to your listeners, is the work that we're doing. In preventing uh, the spread of, uh, of COVID-19 through uh, through the development of, of vaccines, and so we've got two vaccine programs that we're working on, and of course we're collaborating with others. Um, I will uh, I can go into what, what we're doing in detail a little bit later, perhaps, but we've, we've got both a DNA vaccine, um, which is. Perhaps one of the more recently traditional methods. Uh, it's the backbone of how we develop our flu vaccines. Some of our flu vaccines, but then we've also most recently joined forces with a, with an organisation called Translate Bio, and we've got a uh, messenger RNA vaccine, which uh, which we're hoping to develop swiftly as well. So that's the prevention side. On the treatment side, which is the third arm of what we're trying to do, we're um, we're really tackling uh, this in any way we can, and there've been a number of promising early pilot um, studies that have shown value in the use of some of our our molecules that have not been indicated in this space before. And and again, we can talk about those a little bit later, some of which are available here in the UK and on license, and some of which are, uh, are not. That's where we're working as well. And then lastly, and perhaps most importantly, from a pharmacy perspective, you'll be aware that we have to get the current medication that exists for other uh, conditions uh, to the to people in in, um, in hospitals, in pharmacies, uh, and at homes, and that's all about making sure that we maintain our supply system and manufacturing. So really, just a, a four pronged attack. And I must say, I've never worked so hard in my life as over the uh, the last few weeks. Um, it's been pretty much eighteen hour days, nonstop, and I'm, I'm sure everybody in the whole organisation is doing
0: exactly the same. I think the point we need to make, and, and I suppose one of the reasons we're having these. These interviews. This virus, at the moment, has no treatment. The only treatment is supportive care, and we need to find a treatment or a cure. And let's face it, this this is where the pharmaceutical industry is is needed. I think that's a very important point that we need to stress that right now there isn't there's there's not a vaccine, there is no treatment, uh, and so you know it's very important that we all work together in a collective to combat this deadly virus. Great to hear. Your four-pronged approach—it really is uh, very satisfying. I mean, and of course, clearly your staff want to do more, don't they? I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're doing social distancing, but I'm sure they—they want to volunteer and get to the front line. Uh, what's been the response from your from your staff?
1: Yeah, like like all of uh, my pharma colleagues, you know, the the call to assist the National Health Service uh, came uh, for both clinical and non-clinical staff to assist in any way that they could we've seen almost 10 percent of people who could uh, participate in some way and and those who just want to help as well um, volunteering uh, and we are very supportive of that. The organization has made it crystal clear that we are behind them 100 percent. They'll be released uh, on full pay uh, and, and the usual benefits. And we we support it completely. So we're seeing a lot of our clinical staff, a lot of people with pharmacy um, uh, and pharmaceutical degrees of some description are volunteering. Because I, I don't know if you've seen the call from the Nightingale last night, um, you know, just really asking not only for people who can. Uh, operate ventilators, but a lot, a big call for people who can help with, you know, the distribution of medicines inside the Nytical. A lot of our pharmacists have now stuck up their hand and are volunteering there. So uh, we're not alone. Uh, Sanofi are one of uh, many companies that are helping out and uh, all of my colleagues across pharma are putting up their hands and and doing doing what they can.
0: That's great news and and really great of Sanofi to be so supportive to this. So I think that's uh, well done, and well done to, to you and to and to the team. Um, okay, so if we just change tack then, um, Hubert, and talk more about these these medicines and what you guys have in development. So, Sanofi and Sanofi Pasta have had a very rich heritage in developing vaccines. And I suppose we, we, we could talk about that. I mean, this, it has been suggested mm-hmm. it could take about 18 months to put a vaccine for COVID on, um, out there. But first, what's your view on that?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I think it's been well publicised. Uh, our CEO has been um, on the BBC and elsewhere, and uh, people of academics and others have spoken about it. So we, we should be clear that uh, an 18-month target is is what we're all hoping for now, and that's our uh, accelerated all-hands to the Tiller development programme. And that's the programme that looks at everything going according to plan, and, and we get a good um, response from, from the vaccines that we're developing. We're pretty confident given the fact that Sanofi are the largest vaccine manufacturer in the world by volume produced over 220 million flu vaccines last year, just to give you some idea. And we are confident that, you know, not only our our, our scale, our experience, but our expertise will help us get there within that 18 month uh, window. But, you know, it's, it's also the case that, uh, all our resources have been deployed uh, towards making sure all of the people who could be resourced towards developing this uh, in a safe and timely fashion are, are putting their mind to it right now.
0: Can you share more about what's in development? I mean, you mentioned about a DNA vaccine before, or is that still uh, in, in development? Or, yeah, so or?
1: in the in the public domain, we, um, we what we can share is. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how much, how, how much your members will, uh, will know about vaccines, but I guess we, we, if we take a step back uh, and, and, and review what, what vaccines are, they really are just uh, you know, a controlled method for training the body to respond to an external pathogen in a rapid uh, and uh, fashion that allows us to not get infected with that organism or, or that pathogen. So everybody's fully aware of how things came about with with smallpox and so on, where we effectively uh, injected or or gave people um, uh, exposure to large parts of the the bacteria, uh, as it it was then, or the viruses and so forth. So we know that everybody understands these. What what developed in the early 90s was a method for giving people uh, pieces of DNA uh, that were injected into the muscles, and then the muscle cells themselves take these up and transcribe parts of the protein uh, that relate to the virus or, or the other pathogen that then allow your body to develop immunity against that. And so that, that method's been used, and we have a, um, a process in place for developing, as I said, our flu vaccines, and we're using a similar method uh, for developing uh, what we're doing uh, at the moment with uh, against covid uh, or COVID. Additionally, we've also just, um, as I said, collaborated with an organisation called uh, Transcript Bio, um, who have a messenger RNA method. So this is a non-nuclear method. So it doesn't require the um, the DNA to get inside the nucleus. But it uh, it actually the RNA is meant is the factory that allows the the code for the proteins to be. Uh, transferred into making those proteins by giving people this messenger RNA it's a far more potent a far more reliable method uh, and rapid method of, of uh, producing uh, vaccination or um, immunogenicity to the to in this case uh, we hope COVID and other viruses
0: fascinating and, and let's hope that you know um, you guys find the vaccine in in record time uh, so if we talk about non-vaccine approaches, uh, Huber, you did mention a number of uh, opportunities in your, in your development pipeline. Could you give us more detail to what these medicines could be?
1: Yeah, and I want to really take uh, uh, considerable care here as I speak about these, uh, you know, if you don't mind. You know, we are, we are a large uh, global organization, and some of our products are available in the rest of the world, but they aren't available here. So one of the compounds that we're working on globally uh, and that we're doing research and development for is, is something called chloroquine or air, and it's more, um, it has a better formulation called hydroxychloroquine, uh, which, is, which is used uh, in research. Now, the MHRA have been very clear that uh, currently the use of uh, hydroxychloroquine will be off license for the uh, treatment or the prevention of a, a worsening infection, COVID-19. So please, if everybody hears what I say within that frame, I, I'd really appreciate it. But chloroquine is a really interesting compound. It's um it's been around. Uh, I don't know if you're aware since uh, the 1600s. I think it was first used in some sort of uh, uh, form and uh, really used uh, against malaria since the, the 1940s and 50s. But other uh, uh, biological responses were found when using chloroquine, as we often do when developing medicines. We find other effects, and you know, uh, classically, many of your listeners will be familiar with what. What we found with aspirin, for example, how it then uh, affected platelets, and then allowed us to to treat you know people having heart attacks or preventing heart attacks. But chloroquine also works uh, in uh, in rheumatoid arthritis, in, in, in some immunological areas. There's been some work done with it in uh, in looking at uh, cancer treatment, because it seems to have a multitude of effects inside the cell. Now. As far as the, um, the, the function against the virus is concerned, what it seems to do is change the pH inside the cell. It increases the pH, which allows the lysosomes, uh, the, 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 the cellular organelles that destroy foreign bodies and uh, proteins and uh, organisms, to act more effectively. We think this is how it, uh, it, it works. It may also affect the way that the virus binds to cells um, uh, using a similar mechanism of, of changing the pH and changing transcription of the proteins that allow it to bind. And so we, uh, we're currently investigating this globally. Uh, we're aware of at least 31 studies um, that have been done globally. There were some interesting results in, a, in pilot studies in China showing the effect. And there was a, also another pilot done in France, which was very exciting, where the uh, about a 60% reduction in a tiny study, about 26 people, there was a 60% reduction in, in viral load. And, and we find these results really exciting, and obviously they need to be explored further. So these studies have been done by the World Health Organization, by many other institutions globally, uh, and at Sanofi, of course, uh, participating in, in, in any way um, that we can, driving some of our own studies and also participating in the other studies done by academics.
0: So that's okay. one area that's of interest. Right now, where you know chloroquine hydroxychloroquine is not indicated for COVID nineteen, uh, we do need to be careful. You know, this is, these are drugs with narrow therapeutic indexes, so the margin of safety between a a normal dose and a toxic dose are quite narrow, and so there have been cases of people uh, undergoing uh, poisoning by, by by mistake. But also, the studies do look interesting, but has not there been criticism about the lack of controls here, in those trials? Which has caused the concern, that's why they need to be repeated. Is that a further comment?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know that there will always be um, room for improvement in study design. Uh, at the best of times, uh, at times like this, uh, Gina, I think you'll appreciate that we um, ourselves and the academics out there are trying to do everything that they can to find an answer as soon as possible. I think your your comments about the control arms and so forth, uh, we have modern statistical methods which allow us to control um, these studies and we have traditional methods through randomization and double blinding but you'll appreciate that it is very difficult to to blind in studies and control studies like this when some treatments in some parts of the world have become standard of care where clinicians are doing their utmost even outside of um, what is currently known or 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 licensed um, They're administering what they believe should be a best practice and standard of care. So very tricky. And um, uh, it's it's perhaps um, it's perhaps easy to be critical of the methodology. But I think the answers will come and the answers will come sufficiently soon and safely to allow us to make those decisions and reflect back on uh, the data and the controls.
0: And that's a third comment. We are dealing again, I've already said a disease, a virus where there's no treatment and the only treatment is supportive care. And so, you know, if you're that subset of individual who progress from mild illness to viral pneumonia to acute uh, uh, respiratory distress, it's, it's not pleasant to see. So you can understand why compassionate use is, is often needed and, and required. Yeah. Okay, Thank you, Hubert. And were you going to mention something else in development?
1: If, before I do, I, I, you know obviously I can speak about the the compounds that uh, that we here at Sanofi are working on, but there are, there are many other Uh, organizations who are developing compounds as well, especially in the antiviral space. Um, I think the the second area that's of interest to us are the anti-inflammatories and in particular uh, an interleukin-6 inhibitor that we have. We're not the only company that has an interleukin-6 inhibitor and I know that there's work ongoing at the moment in this space. Now, if we describe what happens when you get COVID, in the first instance for the majority of people it's a mild self-limiting illness. It then progresses to a a more advanced respiratory illness. And, you know, that's what we all hear about, you know, this persistent cough, this hypoxia, this breathlessness, and movement into hospital where you need supportive care. And then there's a final phase where it progresses even further, which is you get this immunological challenge where things go wrong, and and you can develop a condition called ARDS, adult respiratory distress syndrome, but also um, other immunological um, malfunction and by blocking the interleukin 6 uh, receptor there has been some pilot work which has now been repeated and extended globally with our compound and other uh, companies uh, compounds to explore whether or not at this stage of the the infection and the illness giving an interleukin 6 receptor blocker will, will
0: help uh, patients who are suffering from the problems and how far in development is that is that
1: there are a couple of global studies that are kicking off right now. There are a couple of academic centres that we're in control of ourselves. Um, a couple of other academic uh, institutions that are, that are running with, with studies in this space um, looking at these compounds.
0: One would hope that the regulatory agencies like the FDA, MEA, MHRA would provide some kind of regulatory flexibility to allow these things to be fast-tracked. So. Have you had any interactions with the agencies? Have you have they shown willing to to look at this in a different way?
1: We've been in constant contact, as you can imagine, with uh, with all the regulatory agencies, um, and they're doing their very best under very difficult circumstances as well. So through uh, our organisation has been, Sanofi has been in contact, but I can also say that. Uh, you know, the ABPI, the Association of British Pharmaceutical Industry, um, have been fantastic and, and really pulled everybody together. You asked earlier about collaboration. I've never seen the likes of it uh, in 25 years of every single organisation, every member, company getting together and and, uh, and driving towards uh, collaboration and consistent opinion uh, and support. And uh, the ABPI have been great in trying to make sure that uh, we interact with with not only the MHRA, but uh, directly with uh, with the CMO officers and, and Public Health England. So the collaboration has been fantastic, and everyone's doing their best.
0: So my last question is about drug supply chains, um, and I've been working or volunteering for my local pharmacy. And I have to say I've been very impressed by how pharmacists have stepped up to the challenge. A uh, huge volume of prescriptions. I think there's still two days behind schedule on their scripts. Uh, um, but what we have noticed that there's been some limitations, some stock-out product issues. Uh, and, and you mentioned earlier on about, uh, in your four-pronged approach, supply chains are, are a priority. It, you know, can you provide more information about that? I mean, how committed to know it is to make sure that pharmacists get get their medicines?
1: It has been our primary concern in addition to, as I said, you know, making sure that we collaborate. Uh, we're working on prevention uh, and treatments. But, of course, you know, what we do is uh, is manufacture drugs, drugs. Um, Uh, that need to get to patients. And so this is one area, but we also have, at least in this country, close to 350 different medicines that that Sanofi provide, and and globally we have over um, 3,500 different SKUs. So we are uh, doing our very, very best in a rapidly evolving situation to make sure the compounds um, and our drugs get out there. Uh, And I'm proud to say that uh, the response has been extraordinary, especially – to those unsung heroes that uh, that are working in our factories and manufacturing plants to make sure that we uh, we get everything out there. And I think the latest figures that we've heard is, what's the right way of phrasing this, our, our systems are working at 95% of maximum, even during this crisis, which is truly extraordinary. We're doing our very best and monitor the situation on a daily basis uh, in terms of supply and make sure that everything gets to the pharmacies as much as possible. You'll be aware, um, uh, all of your listeners will be aware of the fact that Brexit has taken a back seat. uh, But uh, for the UK, we're prepared for any um, shortages. uh, And our uh, GM, uh, Hugo Fry has been on the news quite a bit about how much preparation we've made for um, maintaining supply because of Brexit. Uh, And this has stood us in good stead. So in the UK, I can say for Sanofi products, we're in very good shape. As the crisis evolves we will continue to monitor it obviously continue to communicate with uh, all of the pharmacists out there uh, with regards to stock levels but we're in good shape at the moment and doing well thank you thank you Hugh. just like to say thank you to you and to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society do you know for having me um, we remain uh, here at your service uh, and hope that the collaboration continues and please could ask that any of your members get in touch if they have any questions we'll do our very very best through this crisis